Welcome back to the Behind in That podcast. As always, it's your host, Matthew, alongside my other co-host. Michael, how's it going, guys? As always, uh, we're here. We're in quarantine. I forgot the number of weeks uh, we've been spending in quarantine so far. I mean, I, sometimes I don't even remember what day it is, but uh, we're here. And uh, how's your week been, Michael? It's been good. Um, just staying at home, uh, doing getting some work done. I think I've been getting into a routine now of uh, going on walks, uh, trying to get some work done, uh, winding down with some video games, and then uh, repeating the process over and over again. Obviously, I miss. I can't, there's been times lately where I've really missed being at school with my friends uh, and just uh, being out of the house more often than not. But uh, I think for the time being, uh, I'm selling into the routine and it's working well. How about you, man? Same here. I mean, I've been starting to get into a routine, um, you know, spend a lot of time with family, uh, get some work done, um, you know, try to just hang in there, go outside, get, get, get some fresh air, of course, social distance, though. And uh, it's interesting how we are all adapting to it as time goes by. And I mean, obviously, we're still social distancing and uh, but we're, we're kind of finding ways to do things uh, either way, which I, I love. No, of course, yeah. I want to get two things uh, quickly off the bat. Uh, first of all, today is, uh, we're recording this, it's uh, May 13th, <sighs> and I've been looking on Twitter, and allegedly, there was a Allegedly something happened, yeah. I see well, a lot of people tweeting, I don't know what, it, what it's about. I can't confirm it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's, that's, I just want to get that out of the way. But the other thing is, uh, you guys have been waiting a while for an update on me finish playing uh, Banjo-Kazooie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh did you beat I have it? some great news yes i beat the game okay well what did you think of it okay it was frustrating as hell that last boss i'm mm-hmm. i'm an adult and like i played it and i struggle with it it's probably one of the hardest bosses i've faced like final bosses and i'm yeah. thinking this is a kid's game and i'm an adult and i can't like beat it and i've beaten so many video games <laughs> yeah I was. I remember. I was jumping out of my chair. Second, I that last egg went to that statue. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, yes! I was so pumped. I was like, finally beat this game, and then I can play uh, the sequel now. But, uh, I've <laughs> barely gone through that one. That final cutscene, man, was funny. They're just. I love. I love banjo. It's just such a funny mm-hmm. game. Um, yes, and for those of you guys wondering, it was a hundred percent completed. It wasn't like oh, just just barely enough, the, the bare minimum. I nice, fully nice. completed the game. Nice, nice. I'm chipping away at um super mario 64 trying to go for the 100 percent complete run nice how many mm-hmm. stars you at? i mean uh i had two files i had two files i actually tried this previously and i was actually at a hundred i think 111 and i wonder why i didn't finish um but right now i think i'm at around 30 yeah good it's a good start mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh Hopefully i'll get I think, through that yeah it, it takes some time. Some stars are, like, really hard, but uh, I, I think, think once you've gotten it down. The most annoying stars are just the uh, hundred the 100-coin the ones mm-hmm. where you have to get all the coins in a level. Yeah, that, that, that those ones frustrate me. Yeah, that one, and uh, there's just, like, this coin star that's uh, on, on a cloud and you have to fly with the mm-hmm. wing cap. That mm-hmm. one's super frustrating. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know those ones. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, Super Mario 64 is just such a great game, and I mean, I, I think you, you've played Odyssey, right? Yes, I have played Amazing Odyssey. Game. Amazing game. I love it. Amazing. And, I mean, we're getting a Super Mario 64 Switch uh, re-release, so that's going to be fun. A oh, remake. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. 
a remaster. I don't know. There's so many different names to call it. Remaster, remake, whatever. But we're I'm getting... surprised it's taking this long because they've already done that for the original Mario games on the NES and the SNES. Um, the only game that, that I think, other than Super Mario 64, that fans really want a, a remaster for, or at least one that I think of off the top of my head, is uh, Super Mario RPG. Oh, we've been wanting that forever. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I I want that. I don't even physically have it like on the Super Nintendo, so I've never gotten a chance to play it. But I know it's a good game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I played it. I remember when I was going through a run of it. I never actually finished it, but uh, I've I really enjoyed uh, the gameplay, the humor, just the overall experience was was a lot of fun. And if you haven't gotten a chance to play Super Mario RPG yet, find a way to do it because it's worth the experience. Have you played uh, Super Mario Sunshine? Okay, I have played it briefly in the past, but for some reason, I've ne- I don't actually have the game, and that's one game that I've always wanted to have a copy of again. Just uh, go through it. Because... I love that game. Like it's one of those games where you have to. I think as time went by, we start to appreciate it more because, I mean, I had it for GameCube. I I still do, but when I when I played it as a kid, I didn't think it was like I was like. You know, they're trying something new, something gimmicky that's not exactly Super Mario 64, but they're trying to change it, right? And I didn't really like it as a kid, but now I like it. Now you start to appreciate what they were doing. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think that's one of the things with those games, too. Mm-hmm, and we're, we're going to get to we're gonna get to play it. Um, You're going to get to play it because uh, they're actually remastering that and Super Mario 64, so we're getting both of those. Absolutely, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll save some video games talk for uh, a little bit later uh, in the show. later. We have some exciting news to share with you guys. Uh, but uh, for now, we have to address something that uh, we we unfortunately uh, weren't able to talk about on last week's podcast. Mm-hmm. So um, we recorded last week's podcast on Wednesday, and uh, we wrapped up the episode with Ian Tullock. If you haven't uh, checked it out, check it out already. Um, it was a great episode, and Ian was awesome. But... We finished recording, and I remember immediately after finished recording, um, you and me, we were just chatting away, and I said, uh, I told you, like, uh, like something's going on on Twitter. Let me check this out, and you were looking as well. And, uh, yeah, so uh, do you want – you can explain the situation, Michael. Okay. From just the, the very brief explanation, for those of you who, for whatever reason, haven't heard the story, there were leaked DMs that involved – uh, Brandon Leipzig, who is currently a who was well, formerly a member of the Washington Capitals, but used to be on the Toronto Maple Leafs, saying some very vulgar and uh, sexist remarks mm-hmm. about misogynistic uh, comments. Misogynistic comments about uh, just random women that he happened to know, and also re- poking fun at his teammates and also their families. It was uh, I was I'm like the kind of person that I came to expect him, at least from when I remembered him as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, and it just brought back those experiences because I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more later. But I was just like, let's just put it this way. I'm kind of glad he's no longer on the lease because it was we've already seen what happened with the Austin Matthews controversy. Imagine having th- that and then this months later. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, if we see how he is here, like. The sucky part is that he was po- he was most likely the same type of person back then. Yeah. And that's that's the sucky part. And, but I mean, true. it's been a week since this whole ordeal has happened, so um there's been a whole lot of, you know, thoughts and comments out there and honestly, I I don't want to spend too much time on it. I don't think you do either because, you mm-hmm. know, 
um, the time has gone and uh, he's been he's been dropped by the Capitals. Um, and honestly, he's not going to get in another job in the NHL. He's, he's just not going to. And uh, my thoughts are just it was terrible. It's a disgusting thing he did. And what sucks is that this is definitely a part. I mean, believe it or not, but this is definitely a part of hockey culture, which is the, mm-hmm. the terrible side of hockey culture. But um, we've seen it time and time again and keeps happening. And it, it's honestly, it's most likely not just him. And it's kind of embedded into hockey culture and something needs to change. And it's it's very, it's very tough. Uh, just just what what goes on in not just these dressing rooms, but see like these group chats, but what goes on behind closed doors. Now, obviously, me and you were not uh, in the locker rooms uh, around the time that Brendan Leipzig was a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if these DMs were any indication, it's entirely possible that this was the type of person he was uh, when he was on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that it's it's this has probably been the case before he was on the Toronto Maple Leafs and since he's left the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. And here's the thing. He wasn't some big-time NHL player. He was a fringe player at best. I think you can agree with me on this. Making these comments, thinking he could get away with it, and now he got exposed, and his true characters were really being demonstrated from his lackluster apology. And now he's no longer on an NHL team. I doubt he's going to get signed by another team. If he's going to continue playing, he's going to be doing it overseas. And I think we've seen the last of Brendan Leipzig in North American uh, hockey. And I don't, I can't see, it's hard for me to see a scenario where he can rehabilitate his image enough that uh, people will give him a second chance because these kind of things and just not really, just kind of shying away from it in the sense that he deleted his Twitter account deactivated his Instagram account for a while and then came back to make a half-hearted apology really just goes to show that this is not the kind of player you really want to have in a locker room. And I don't think we'll be seeing him around anytime soon. A hundred percent. And honestly, I just hope things change because it keeps happening time and time again. And, and you can only hope that, you know, something clicks in the future generations of hockey players and hockey culture that that changes it because i mean look like even earlier this year or this season the, the whole coaching thing um and we had scott MacArthur on and he was awesome and he spoke about it too but yeah. um is hockey really for everyone when people are in it um you know saying these kind of th- kinds of things or making you know sexist or racist or homophobic comments and things like that and i mean you and me, we both played hockey before, and, and we know the kind of atmosphere it is. And, um, of, of course, it's not everyone who does it, but, I mean, I mean, we can't really um, we can't really ignore the fact that, you know, when you're a kid playing hockey and you're growing through that culture, it's definitely a part of the culture, and it's just something needs to change, you know, from from the lower levels and, and what these kids are saying and what carries on towards um, what they're, how they're acting or what they're saying when they're older. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And just one more point before we uh, move on for the topic. Uh, I think if we look at situations like this, and on the one hand, it kind of sucks that we once again have to look at these situations and on our timelines. But at the same time, this is a perfect opportunity to have a lesson in ways 
the hockey community can change. And like you were saying, like like making it a more a more inclusive environment by exposing the flawed characters and the care and the people who are bringing the to turn the game backwards is is one way that we can help progress the game forward and make it more true to the statement of hockey is for everyone and i think that's that's not going to be an easy task it's going to take a long time and making drastic changes to the way players coaches uh management and the fans are treated when they're watching games and all I can really say is we need to have, we don't have to have all these moments all the time where we're just like exposing players, but I think it's just little subtle things that go on behind the scenes that I think have to be the first step in making the game far more inclusive for players, coaches, and everybody else. Of uh, course. And I agree that it should be a learning experience, of course, but I think my gripe with it is how many of these learning experiences do we need? And are people really learning from it? Because if they're really learning from it, would these things keep happening, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we can honestly just hope that Mm -hmm. um, people learn from it. And like I said, we can't, we've kind of, we're not professional hockey players. We don't even play hockey at this age, really. Um, Of course. You and I, and we don't, uh, you know, we're not back in those dressing rooms, but like I said, I think it starts young in hockey culture. And if anything's going to be a learning experience, it has to be directed to the younger generations and try to change it um, from from there, you know, and, and hopefully in, it'll it'll pass through. Yeah, this is a, a big topic. It and is. This is we're, we're, we're no, this is no easy uh, uh, topic to really divulge in uh like a long segment but i want to give a shout out to one of my fell my friends uh jordan chichelli and Haley mcgoldrick who mm-hmm. just recently started a podcast of their own they had a segment uh on their show i'm just trying to p- pull up the name because it's slipping my mind for some reason big shout uh, out to to the podcast to that podcast by the way uh oh, all girls podcast i gave it a listen yeah. love it um yeah you guys yeah. you guys are both doing great things so uh keep it up Yes, absolutely. Ball Girls Pockets, that's the name. I was, for some reason, was slipping my mind. But yes, they talk a little bit about the uh, this controversy. And I think that they're, it's worth a listen to because not only are they two female uh, me- media members in sports, but they also provide a different angle. And I think if you want to see a more balanced approach, definitely check out their second episode of Ball Girls Podcast where they talk a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely, honestly, my final thoughts is just when is it going to be, you know, the end of it? When is their learning experiences, but when's it going to be the last, when are people going to learn? Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it just, we have to keep working on it, but it's just, it's just a shameful thing to see at this point because we feel yep. like we're making progress. And then, you know what, we're, we're actually not making progress in hockey culture and something needs to change. Yeah. And I, and, and it's hard for me to say how many more of these uh, stories have to come out before things really change, but I think as the one silver lining that comes out of it is that there's one less problem in hockey culture now than there was a, a week ago. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. Let, yeah, let's talk about something that's also taken away from us, and that is the AHL 2019-20 regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first reaction when you? I mean, 
of course, first the news for anyone who doesn't know, the AHL season is officially canceled. Um, they are not going to be continuing the remainder of the season. And uh, I know you you kind of broke the news to me. You sent me the tweet that um, mm-hmm. had the news in it. And yeah, for me, it was just, it was kind of expected, honestly. Um, we know um, they're not a league like the NHL that can afford to, um, you know, go on without one without fans and kind of go on with this break and then just have this um this period of of nothing going on they can't just afford that so they they kind of had to you know stop the season mainly mm-hmm. because of the whole thing with the fans if they're not making money um they they really can't survive and i was thinking about this the other day but what happens to players like like even next season we're all talking about next season oh, the NHL is going to come back and they're going to play without fans. Um, but the season's still going to happen and all that. But what's going to happen to all the other leagues and all the players who play in other leagues? And what's going to happen to the prospects? Where are they going to play? Because, you know, the CHL, the AHL, even uh, yeah, even the KHL and, and all those European leagues, I'm for sure, um, I don't think they can, you know, survive without any fans, for sure. Um, so I just don't even think those those leagues will have you know seasons next season, and what mm-hmm. happens to all those players? And then what happens when they don't have a place to play? What's going to happen to their to their you know are they going to get rusty? Um, what's going to happen when the NHL wants to call someone up? How is how is that process going to be? Uh, all those things kind of cross my mind. But going back to the AHL, um, it it made me think of all that because. I really don't know what the future of that league is and we all often overlook it, but honestly it's so important for the development of players and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate because this is the first sign of that, those possibilities coming true in my mind. Of course. I totally agree with you on all the points you made and you make a really good point about uh, beyond just this season. Um, just to, just to really start off with my point, uh, Part of the reason why the AHL canceled their season is in part because of what you said. They rely a lot more on ticket revenue because, let's face it, it's really hard to watch AHL games. And at least from from the Toronto perspective, uh, you either watch it on Leafs TV, which not everybody owns, or you watch it on AHL TV, which is a web service app. And again, not everybody is willing to fork over money to watch it unless you are a, a diehard fan of those teams not everyone's going to be committed to that so a, a long pause like this would, was hurting business and i'm surprised it lasted as long as it did like they were able to make this long before making a decision because yeah the ahl relies on ticket revenue like i said so yeah you make a really good point about uh beyond this season because we obviously know that there's going to be a few players on the marlies that will be available for the leafs if play were to resume and they need some extra call-ups. But we don't know which of the other players are going to be not on that list and what the future holds for them, as well as some of the other prospects. And I think it also comes down to with contracts for next year's season. Because remember, some players rely on these contracts so they can continue playing their careers. And some age, some are on NHL deals, so they have no real issues because they can just get signed by the Leafs. But others are on AHL deals, some are on ECHL deals, and that's another league we have to uh, keep in mind mm. as well. And, of course, the CHL with all their leagues. And just not only those leagues, but the other uh, sports leagues that 
aren't like the NBA, NHL, MLB, and NFL that need ticket revenues to really survive. There's I mean, going to be a lot of questions about how they operate uh, going forward because there's a possibility that they don't start their seasons until 2021. For sure. Like, where do you call up these players? Even if even if the NHL continued this season, where are you going to call up? If, if a player gets injured and you want to call up someone from the AHL, where are you going to call them up from? Like, they're just sitting in their house waiting. Like, they don't have a place to play. And then that also affects how they might play on the ice because they've they haven't been playing. They haven't been, you know, ready, so mm-hmm. to say. And also, like, and then the CHL, like, or just junior hockey in general, how is this going to affect next year's draft if uh, there's not going to – let's face it, like, they, they, they really can't afford to function, like the CHL as an example. They can't afford to function if they don't have fans. It's just not the NHL. I think only the NHL can do really do that. And uh, what's going to happen to all the prospects? How mm-hmm. are they going to scout these prospects? Yeah, you know? and how about players like top prospects like Alexei Lafreniere? Like we 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 kind of overlook it sometimes, but we obviously know that he's going to be going to the NHL next season. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be some lot of prospects that uh, want to figure out what the future holds for their uh, their season. Like, what about the overagers? Like, what goes on with them? Do they get another shot at finishing their season because they didn't get the the proper ending that they mm-hmm. they were probably hoping to get? Uh, what about uh, players in college? Like. Like we think about NCAA, uh, foot, like basketball and football. Senior year, some senior year players will never be playing professional football uh, beyond that year. So what the questions lay for them. Like, do they get a second chance to like go out on top, or do they just thanks for not thanks for everything? Uh, some foreseen circumstances is preventing you from finishing up your playing days. I honestly don't even know what to think, but I I think we're just seeing this terrible like ripple effects start to unfold and we're really we're realizing it now but it's slowly altering you know even hockey as we know it and it's tough to say but i don't even it's going to be hard to recover from this in a hockey sense because there's just so many bits and pieces that are you know not fitting together anymore mm-hmm I've said this uh, before in the past, and I will repeat myself again because I feel like this is going to be true for every sports. This season is not going to be normal. Next season is not going to be normal. And we won't have a normal season again until 2021, 2022 at the earliest. And that's just assuming that everything works out okay. The society can resume. uh, People can go back outside and a vaccine is developed. But we don't even know when things can return to normal and that's why i think it's going to be a while before we have seasons like 2018-19 which is like business as usual like season starts season ends we have the off season and continue on from there i think this pandemic has really showcased that when there's a long pause such as this leagues are not fully prepared for the rip for consequences of it they don't have a lot of backup plans for uh, long pauses like this, and they need to come up with different strategies because if they don't have a different strategy, then what? Like who? What? What happens when the next uh, pandemic occurs? Like, are they going to just do the exact same thing that's happened this time? Or are mean, they going to hey, have? A let's plan not. In place? Let's hope there's not another pandemic. Well, first off, I but mean, I hate to, I hate to be that guy. We have to be prepared. Yeah, are part of human history. Like mm-hmm. we've seen pandemics happen before, and Man. I have that 
people have to realize. I don't know if you saw this, but there was this meme that kind of went viral in like t- late 2019 when, when people were making the 2020 memes, you know, December 2019. And it was like, it was a meme and it was like, when you when you hope that 2020 is going to be a great year but then you realize that every hundred years um has a a a pandemic or a plague right (gasps) and this was in december 2019 and i don't know i have to do the research but i i did check at the time i think 1920 had something 1820 had something 1720 had something and so on oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah Whoever made that meme uh, has to invest in a lottery uh, because he he or she nailed it on the head, I guess. (laughs) Anyways, but yeah, I know. You just have to be prepared because nobody saw this coming and you just have to be prepared if something like this happens in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, that's why that's what that's my think the the real main takeaway from this is that sports leagues need to have a plan in place for future pandemics because I hate to be that guy again, but pandemics are an inevitability. Like it's just because it's just a part of human society. Like viruses will always be prevalent as long as humans are around. Mm-hmm. So you have to have plans in place for situations like this because you can't just play have a situation where oh well there's a pandemic going around we got to pause hopefully in the future when a future situation like this happens plays can continue on and players are protected but it also doesn't compromise their health and that's something that needs to be looked at going forward because i think from a fan's perspective one of the one things that can give them solace in uh getting through a pandemic and a long pause with no live events is sports and i and i think as time goes on, like we have, have been what two months now since sports have been played, you really start to feel that void. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. So moving on, um, we didn't really have a lot of Leafs news this week, but in the absence of Leafs news, we actually got to speak to a, a really awesome guy who's uh, actually big on Leafs Twitter and a big part of uh, Leafs media right now. Guys, I have, I'm really excited to announce that we are going to be joined by Tic Tac Tomar on the show, mm-hmm. and we are going to be playing you an interview that we had with him. And I just want to give you a little spoiler alert. It was an awesome interview. Also, spoiler alert, I, I, I just find I kind of feel special because he kind of confirmed that apparently I'm one of the first to find out or, or realize something clever in his name. Uh, so that's going to be fun. But uh, let's go into that interview right now. On today's show, we are joined by Omar. You may know him better by his Twitter handle, at Tic Tac Tomar. He is a gift maker and writer for Pension Plan Puppets, and his work has also appeared on Tip of the Tower. Welcome to the show, Omar. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. You know, um, I think uh, everyone, you're kind of doing the same thing everyone else is. You're just finding something to do um, uh, through the quarantine and self-isolation and all that type of stuff. But I think it, it's weird. It's like, it's almost as if this is kind of like a new normal. So in some degree, you're kind of getting used to it. But at the same time, it, it's it's still really different and still a difficult, difficult lifestyle. But, you know, as long as Netflix and uh, and and, uh, <laughs> and ESPN and stuff have, have their various roles of an entertainment, I think it's okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, of course. What yeah. have you been up to, like, in quarantine, like, uh, specifically? What, what's been key, passing your time? 
Um, yeah, well, yeah, just, yeah, besides the Netflix stuff, it's mostly just been, you know, like, uh, rummaging around Twitter, trying to find any information <laughs> that leads to, leads to, uh, you know, the return of the, uh, the NHL professional sports. Um, I've been kind of doing this, uh, the same thing that Michael's been doing, uh, you know, kind of, you know, uh, doing this whole, like, hey, remember when this happened? Um, <laughs> thing <laughs> of, uh, going through, like, old clips and, like, kind of posting that, um, and video games has been pretty pretty huge uh so you know going on 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 the ps on the ps4 my nintendo switch is dead unfortunately uh i can't get get it uh, get, i can't get it repaired because of the whole repair center things are closed so that's uh, that's um that kind of sucks i'm in the same um, boat, boat with you there because uh my joy con is actually broken i get in joy con drift which like mm, i mean it's really oh, popular no. but the the unfortunate thing is i can't even send it in right now so i'm kind of yeah. stuck playing with <laughs> It's it like pushes upwards all the time. It's annoying. Yeah, Thoughts and pretty... prayers to that. <laughs> yeah, and then besides that, it's, it's mostly been a lot of like uh, playing NHL 20. Um, you know, with with the the Dangle Navy, we have we have we have we've had a couple streams and stuff with donating uh, donating money, raising money for uh for COVID and for healthcare and stuff. Speaking of that, actually, I'm glad I brought that up. I need to address some things. I listened to the last episode with uh, Ian Tullock, and Ian Tullock <laughs> had some things to say about me as a player. I just need to I see this out to set the record straight real quick. We okay? knew this was coming. He, he is he is correct in the sense that I lack skill. That is that is that is a fact. Okay, my my I am the Zach Hyman of the team. I'm self proclaimed okay i go to the front of the net i i crash and rebounds i go for deflections all that type of stuff but for him to have the goal to, to criticize me and say that i can't i can't exit the zone properly you should watch ian does not know the definition of defense <laughs> he is not a defenseman okay there are, there will be instances where i'll be going up the wing you know on the left wing and then he'll just speed blitz past me it'll, it'll be like sonic the hedgehog you see like a blue streak just gone and then there's no defense and then poor james myrtle is by himself doing doing absolutely nothing so ian is the last person to criticize anyone especially when it comes to penalties and just when it comes to his overall play unless i'm feeding him the puck then you know then he's an elite star okay i feel like you're gonna respond to that <laughs> this is where i've been holding the, i've been holding on to that one this is where the dangle navy comes to throw shade at each other on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's all fun and games for sure like we all like we all play together and we all rip rip on each other anytime one thing happens we just all automatically start just start going to town on of each course. other but um yeah but it, that that's been um one of the big things i've done definitely during during the quarantine it's been it's been a blast uh definitely of course. Uh, let's actually talk about the Dangle Navy. How did you join the Dangle Navy team? And we obviously know your experience has been uh, awesome so far. But uh, what's mm. after you, after you explain how you joined? Uh, what's one what's one moment that really stands out to you? Um. Yeah. So the way I joined was really weird. Uh, it was a couple of years back. Um. And like I just started playing. I think it was. I think it was either eighteen or nineteen. I was playing on. And it was like a time where like Steve Dangle would be like, oh, if anyone, if anyone's online wants to do like a drop in thing, let's let's do it. So him and I would like, would, like kind of play like play um play randomly. And then there was a day where he asked like, hey, like you know, do you want to join this team, this team? And I was like, okay, sure. So then I joined this team, and after then uh, it was created by uh, James Butter, who he's our goalie. Uh, he made the team, added um added in Steve, and then another person, Nick, uh, least uh, least fan Nick um on twitter um so that's how that so i guess that was kind of how like the initial core was formed and then uh, just this year um uh brady started to come in okay, brady's like uh he's a good friend of uh james nicks my my mind as well he's, he's a good buddy he joined along um then uh mikey stevens joined ian tulloch joined as well um and then also uh mikey stevens and then so we all just we're all just like fooling around playing and playing just you know just doing random games and stuff 
and then um just the idea of streaming just kind of came up um and then the first time we did it it wasn't intentionally to uh to raise any money or anything it was just it was just uh just to do it and after the once you realize that people were, were donating we figured okay we, maybe we can actually do something with this and after then it turned into um you know the quarantine cup that uh, was an idea created by adam wilde and jesse blake um so that was awesome uh but yeah yeah it's been it's been pretty cool so it was pretty much just uh just a random question that i got everything going um and then as for a f- uh a funny moment to be honest there isn't just one funny moment just because like the one thing is always surpassed by the next thing and it's usually something that i do that's in- that's incredibly stupid so like i'll for example i'll try to like ring the puck um behind the boards and then i'll score on my own net granted james make the save Okay, I'm all I'm saying, just make the save, you know, bail me out a little bit. Or um or another Ian Tullock story. Um we were uh we just got into division one and we were just on on a high. Like we were we were, we were everything was clicking, it was great. Um we were playing this game, every everything was good, but they had us pinned down to the defensive zone for a little bit. And then mm-hmm. Ian Tullock decides to put his Mike Babcock hat on and says, you know what, guys? Uh no cross crease passes. And then it's like, don't allow that. And then as soon as he said that, he allows a cross crease pass and they score. Like that's, that's Ian Tullock, like in a, in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. There've been a lot of great moments. I think probably the quarantine cup was def- definitely um, a highlight, not only because of how fun it was, not only because we won sweep and um, just because like uh, all the, all the money we raised and all the people we were able to interact with um, um, during it, be it either on Twitch or YouTube or on Twitter, Twitter was great. So it's been an awesome experience so far and really fun. Awesome. No, of course. Yeah. How was uh, that experience playing against uh, Pete Blackburn? I know you've seen him around on Twitter and he's a little <laughs> bit of a feisty uh, character, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure he was a little bit different in the video games. Oh yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> um, just because you could tell there was there was a big like Leafs versus Bruins s thing kind of going on, just because you know most of us were all Leafs fans, and then you know Pete's obviously the obvious uh, Bruins fan. Um, and going into it, like we were just we were like <laughs> we were like going hard, like it was a playoff game, like we were coming up with plays, we we're like, working on systems and structure and and everything. And then it got to the point when we were playing that first game, we were just all over them. <laughs> I feel like we, in some way, we kind of over prepared, but uh, but it was still it was still a blast. It was still awesome. Uh, being able to talk to them, talk talk to them in the in the um, in the Zoom channel as it was going on, it was really fun. Kind of covering it like it was like a, a regular Leafs media day, like getting quotes oh, yeah. and stuff from, and <laughs> getting everyone's opinions on, you know, what they can do to, to ensure ensure the series continues and stuff. That that was fun. And uh, yeah, Pizza Pizza's an awesome dude. He's really funny. Um, and it's, and uh, so it was really, it was really great um, to be able to play with him and, and Adam Wilde and Jesse Blake. Um, even having Martina uh, do the, do the anthem for game four, that was, that was pretty solid as well. So it was great. Oh yeah, oh, yeah for absolutely. sure. And I mean, the the whole uh, you know raising money for a good cause mm-hmm. is just an added bo- bonus, and it was awesome. It was awesome yeah, to see absolutely. as well. Yeah, of course. Um, so I want you to tell me a little bit about how you got your start. Um, I guess gifting and kind of how how you got your start on Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess Twitter overall, I only made a Twitter account because I wanted to get more followers than my sister, just to annoy her. Huh. Um, just because when she when she first made her Twitter, she would come into my room and be like, "Oh, I have fifty followers." Like, "Oh, I have seventy followers." Oh, I have a hundred followers. And I'm like, "Okay." So then I like, so then I, I can I'm, do that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, I can do that. So then I made an account, um, and after then just started, you know, uh, tweeting out uh, just fun stuff, funny things, trying to be funny. Um, and after that, I ended up getting more followers there, and I was like, ha, take it, whatever. Um, and then I just realized that, like, you know, I'm I'm always been a really opinionated person. So like, I'm watching I'm watching a lease game. This is like, oh my gosh, like I don't even remember when. I think it was like, I think it was from the thirteen fourteen season. Mm-hmm. You know, that year. You know, when the when the the oh, 18 wheeler yeah. fell off the cliff oh, yeah. um and i was just so i was just i'm like i'm watching this team like they were they were in a playoff spot and they're just blowing it i'm like you know what i'm just gonna start ranting so i just go on the twitter account and I start like just talking about the leafs and you know like oh this team's brutal like what like what are we doing like how can we how can we ever grow grow and progress um and then from there then i then i kind of started getting like just just like an, a, a regular following not like anything anything huge or or, or whatever Mm-hmm. um and then i guess i really started to um take off so to speak i don't know like nothing huge uh take off um once i started uh, kind of getting into the blogging um uh realm of things uh, i made my own blog uh it was white's corner uh um and after then um i then and then i kind of started to, to join other sites like a tip uh tip of the tower and pension plan puppets um and then i just wanted and then i think going into this season i kind of just wanted to, to start over i guess um, and kind of start start going into the gifting into the gifting because I started doing gifting a little bit on that first account, and then I kind of wanted to commit to it a little bit more. And the pretty much the reason why I wanted to do it at first, and, and Michael, I guess you can attest to this as well because uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're a gifter as well, is that like I really it sucks that sometimes when you when you can't watch a game in full, and sometimes you just want to watch the highlights or just watch what's going on. Um, and you don't want to commit to the you know to the five to seven minute YouTube video that <laughs> Sportsnet or NHL will um NHL will put on. So I kind of yeah. just wanted to to do that. I wanted to be that be that person. You know, like hey, if you miss the game, like here's what happened. Whether it's a a cool play, whether it's a a, a highlight, is a nice goal, whether it's just like a funny moment, something random that happened. I wanted to kind of I guess help contribute to that that realm of Twitter. Um, so then that's that's when I, I decided at the beginning of the season to make to make that new uh, Twitter account and then just to you know fully commit um to the gifting and and all that type of stuff and then I guess as as the time passed and as I kind of grew I kind of wanted to put my own personality into it so that's when like the anime references started started to come into full and now it's like now it's kind of like my uh part of my signature and stuff but um that that's pretty much what it came down to I just wanted to I guess help give people um an avenue to watch um specific things or even if like even if like um like on pension plan puppets if if one of the staff writers is working on a post and they were trying to you know focus on defensive positioning or or how a player actually does commit to defense you know sometimes like the the youtube clips aren't going to show like you know um uh, a back check or being being in the right position um you know to disrupt a pass or or to disrupt a a zone entry so i kind of wanted to be one of those avenues that kind of helped um i guess put that put that on display and um Mm -hmm. and now that's where i am now i can definitely attest to that omar uh for me especially when i wanted to when i finally made the jump to start making gifts part of it was because uh, there would always be these moments in uh, the games where something uh quirky and unique would happen and it would just uh, slip slip by, and no one mm-hmm. really paid much mind to it. And I was like, man, 
if only I had the, the resources and technology to keep those moments because those kind of things no one will ever see again unless someone's like, hey, remember this kind of moment? And then people's like, yeah, where's the footage of it? And it yeah. Nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, when are you ever going to watch Mitch Marner stop in the middle of the play to tie a skate? You know? Like, when, when, yeah. <laughs> when are you ever going to uh, when are you ever gonna see something like that? I mean, people want um, to see those quirky things, of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and I, and I think in the mo- and the reason is that because I think when, especially in the NHL, like, especially in the NHL, you really don't want to stand out, and it's unfortunate, but I understand why people want to do that. So when those quirky moments, when those quirky moments happen, it's kind of as if the fourth wall is being broken a little bit. And you mm-hmm. kind of get to see a little more into the into um, the player's personality and what they think is funny or, or what they think is is cool. Um, so so seeing those moments is is is, is you know it, it's funny and it, it kind of help it kind of helps you helps you to connect to those players that you, that, um, that you like and that you that you respect and that you look up to all the time. Of course, mm-hmm, absolutely. Of course. So um, oh, I I, sorry, I want to ask. Uh, so did you always want to be like kind of a writer or like a someone in you know kind of pursuing something in sports media or, or was that like your initial plan or were you kind of um did you have like before you got on twitter and, and started writing did you have different plans in in terms of you know a job and things like that mm-hmm. actually yeah well, actually i've always wanted had an inkling to to get into some type of sports media like even back when i was in middle school um i, I read i used to read pension plan puppets when i was younger so mm-hmm. so being able to write for them now um being being part of that group is is really surreal for me um, but I guess I guess when it came down to it is I just never thought I would be good enough or I never thought I'd be able to bring a certain um, I don't know what <laughs> to to uh, I guess to, to to the world to the world of um, to the world a of certain, hockey and, certain... and then Oomph. yeah yeah, yeah. A, a certain je ne sais quoi you know uh, <laughs> I didn't know if I'd be able to bring that to um, um, bring that to the forefront um, and then I guess and then I guess once I got older and I kind of I guess maybe maybe gain a little a little more confidence, a little more personality, and I felt like you know that this is something I want to start doing. Like you know, like I I'm you know I have I have an opinion. I can I can research well. Um, you know, I feel like I I can have a voice in this um in this field uh so to speak. So um so but yeah, definitely when I was younger, I always I always wanted to be some type of hockey media person whether it's writing articles or or doing some type of coverage for it so mm-hmm. being able to do that now and um and being able to, to meet uh, meet uh the different people i've been able to meet and interact with both you know in person and on twitter has been it's been really surreal and really awesome yeah of course, of course. and uh, part of your identity too is your twitter handle tic tac tomar which i yeah. have to say is a very clever uh it name. is clever <laughs> <laughs> yeah with the with the to like toronto one thing i noticed in your name was like to almost Mm -hmm. almost looks like toronto so yes you're the first yes you're the first person to congratulations you're the first is that intentional or did i just yes yeah yeah that was yeah so um yeah there so when i was deciding on what um on what the new twitter handle um was was going to be and actually i attest this to uh to hard vlad on uh pinch pan puppets he and i he and i were talking about it so um for me i love tic-tac-toe plays those are those like the for me seeing those type of goals are the ones that make me stand up and go like yo that was filthy that was sick you know just because like like you're watching the play and it's 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 solely on the defense the defense you cannot blame a goaltender for a tic-tac-toe goal against 
because there's nothing they can do. They're literally just like sprawling around. And when you focus on the other team, they're either one, just standing there or two, just like watching what's going on and not doing anything about it. Or three, there's just, just the, the speed of the passing is just too overwhelming for, for the team to, um, to overcome. So those type of goals, I always like, I always love the tic-tac-toe goals. And then, um, you know, Tomar, you know, you know, kind of, you know, my name fits, fits within the whole tic-tac-toe mm-hmm. idea. And then T.O., obviously, yeah, you know, being being from Toronto. So I kind of saw so it's it's really it's really cool. You know, um, it's it's a nice multifaceted um, uh, name and something that I've definitely definitely grown on. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely it has the has the Toronto edge, has the tic-tac-toe hockey edge. And um, yeah, it's, it's who I am now. Awesome. Very clever. That's an awesome story. Uh, and I, I have to say, guys, uh, if for those of you who are listening, uh, when you look at his, his handle, uh, when you see the, the T and the O capitalized, now you know it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel special. No, being the first <laughs> one to find that like, he cracked the code. I thought yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I didn't know if you did it intentionally or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was weird. Um, it was well, not really weird. It was funny when I guess when I first started getting like getting like shout outs and stuff. Um, I think Steve Dangle might have been the uh, the first to start um shouting out my account. Uh, he would he would pronounce it um tick uh, oh my gosh he would call it a uh, tic tac Omar, mm-hmm. and and just not do the not do the 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 tom or the tic tac Omar part. Um, and then someone on Twitter reached out and was like, oh, I think you're missing the uh the uh the the point of <laughs> of, the, <laughs> of the of the Twitter account. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, man, yeah, you are the first one to to notice notice the to at least the first to my knowledge uh, to notice awesome. the to. So yes, <laughs> I feel uh, gold, golden stars. <laughs> <laughs> gold star there we go uh i just wanted to ask you about the gifting because i know that uh the gifting is really what, what got you yeah, big i know uh, you guys could talk about gifting all day <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh when did you start gifting uh i know that was it really started on your old account but what made you say mm-hmm. hey this is something i want to do let's give this a try yeah yeah again it just comes it just came down to wanting to be one of those uh one of the people that kind of helped help you know, show the show the fans, show the show least fans like, hey, like this is what this is what's what's going on in the game. Um, whether it's whether it's a big moment, whether it's a small moment, whether it's um um a uh, a funny moment. Um, and then and then again, I kind of wanted to also help the site that I I wrote for Pension Plan Puppets and and being able once once they're doing their recaps or if they're doing like some some sort of analysis or breakdown, um, that they'd have some type of means to. To, to be like, you know, uh, Austin Matthews does this when he's in the offensive zone, for example, and then just have that right afterwards, just because the um, like when it, especially when it comes to blog writing, it's like you can you can write whatever what uh, you know you can write whatever, um, but sometimes it's nice to have a visual component, um, mm-hmm. towards it, and and sometimes clicking on a link and then having to go on a new site, a new site to to look at what's going on after mm-hmm. and compare to the text on the first site to the video on the other site sometimes it can kind of get a little a little frustrating a little annoying so it's nice to on one page just have everything like here's the text here's the breakdown of the play here's the play or here's the breakdown to something that you know uh mitch marner william nylander should start doing or and then blank here it is or hey you know there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of uh people who say that william nylander is a perimeter player but he's not and this is why. And after then, you just have like a whole either gifts or videos afterwards, just because you know the 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 visual component from the words and the visual component from the gift for the video. They kind of help conjoin the message a little bit more. And again, it being in one place kind of helps. So it was pretty much so so on on the blogging aspect. It was you know in terms of like being able to properly um, 
properly, I guess, voice a point without having to jump around between sites too much. And then entertainment value, entertainment wise, you know, it's it's nice to entertain people. It's nice to, I don't want to say educate because that kind of sounds a little condescending, but it's nice to to show other things besides besides the goals and besides mm-hmm. the big hits. You know, sometimes sometimes you know, um, an awesome goal was started by a simple little play at the blue line that was made to keep the puck into the zone, mm-hmm. right? But we don't we, we didn't we don't necessarily focus on that all the time, which makes sense. You know, it's just like you know we're all we're all lovers of you know big explosions and and you know and you know you walk around and you walk back in slow motion with your with your sunglasses on. We all we all like the we all like this the the cinematography of of hockey. But you know sometimes it's nice it's nice to look at the key little details and the little specifics and you know and and pay attention to those as well. And and there are people there are people like that who um who you know who appreciate the, the little mini details or, mm-hmm. or or the little things that help that help advance the advance the puck forward. Like one thing you definitely see a lot. Lot. and this is something I've, I've i've noticed i've noticed a lot this season is that you know um especially when matthews and nylander are playing together was that you know what Math- matthews would have like a filthy snipe you know like no one can doubt you know the strength and the power of the awesome matthews shot but a lot of the times it would happen because william nylander had a wicked zone entry and then that allowed the play to continue um so it's just, it's like little mini things like little little small things like that that you can kind of help bring to the forefront and show like hey the goal was awesome but so was this that led to the goal and then hopefully you know when you're seeing those things maybe it kind of it can kind of help um kind of help change your perspective on watching the game um there's a book that i read i read about 5 years ago called take your eyes off the puck um, and it pretty much just details. Um, oh my gosh, for, uh, the the author escapes escapes my mind. But yeah, if you if you want a good read, especially about hockey, like definitely buy it. It's an awesome book, and it pretty much just details like all the things around the puck that are happening, whether it's like you know forward execution, player placement, you know where a certain forward should be, um, where forward where a certain forward should be if a certain defenseman pinches, and that's something you know if you're a Leafs fan, that's something you should definitely be interested in because one, the Leafs play that system of having the defenseman activate all the time. And at the same time, you do see a lot of moments where the defenseman activates and there's no one there to cover them. So then there's a odd man brush the other way. And then Freddie has to make a save and he doesn't. And everyone says he sucked. Um, sorry, that kind of. but uh but yeah but yeah so so it's pretty much the, it's those take your eyes off the puck moments that I think that I think are also equally as as important as as the goal or or is the awesome or is the awesome assist and being able to do that through the gifting I think was was something that that was that triggered that initial interest in wanting to do it and just and it's just only made it more more stronger um now uh now than when I started of course that's no, awesome of course, and yeah. uh and that... just quickly for anyone who uh wants to check out that book I just searched it up um it's take your eye off the puck how to watch hockey by knowing where to look and it's mm-hmm. by um Greg Wisniewski so and yep. uh Greg, forward by yep. Jeremy Bonick so yep yeah great great read uh if you need something to read during quarantine <laughs> of course <laughs> Uh, just as a casual observer from afar, man, Matt Ormar, I've been really impressed with your growth this season. Uh, oh, same here. A lot of popularity, and uh, I really liked some of the gifts you've been making this year. So, uh, just from afar, uh, great stuff, man. Thank uh, you. And uh, but I just want to ask you about your growth this season because uh, it has been a lo- really a lot, and I probably you probably didn't expect it to get this big. Uh, did you? Mm. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it, honestly it, it it really does blow my mind when i oh, when i hit certain milestones or or um or like you know during or 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 that type of stuff um it, it definitely is it definitely is pretty pretty cool i guess to see to see how you how you know how how fast how quick the growth has been i definitely did not expect 
um to be where i am now um in terms of like twitter followers and all that type of stuff um but honestly like i can i can only attest that to you know to all the people who who like and who who retweet um and who who quote tweet or who shout me out and stuff like like those things like I've, i think like those things it's gonna sound very sappy but like it really it really touches me when like i see someone be like oh you know like follow 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 tic-tac-toe if you if you need some more for gifts or um or um or you know if if like say for example like if like mark masters or like or justin borner like are are tweeting about something that happened in the game and then they they, they quote tweet me or and they quote tweet me using one of my gifts like it really it really does mean 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 a lot and i think that's that's what i can attest to the growth is just, just everyone everyone you know um liking and commenting and, and retweeting and and sharing on my stuff so honestly so i like that's why anytime i hit a, I hit a big milestone i always try to like always even though it does sound really lame i always try to try to try to thank everyone thank everyone who's followed and who's done all that stuff because it really does mean a lot and that that's what i can attest to um uh attest to the growth of definitely of course of course and uh when you're not posting gifts uh we know you you share a lot of pokemon and anime clips and things like that <laughs> um again do you want to just say how did that come about or just tell me about your love for uh i guess those things in uh how how's it become part of your brand yeah um well to be honest it's always the like the anime stuff has always been part of part of me like personality wise um mm-hmm. you know if, if you ever if you ever you know hang you know hang out with me or, or see me in person i'm a very animated person by nature um <laughs> so <laughs> so uh so it's really it's really easy for me to grab uh to gravitate towards those shows and then growing up you know like you like you you know you uh you go to you go to school. You come home. You turn on the zone. In the zone, you, you have the master lineup. You got Pokemon, Digimon, Dragon Ball Z, oh, Samurai man. Jack. You sit down in front of the TV and you're set. You know, Saturday morning comes up. You go on YTV. You go on Teletoon. You go on Kids WB. You go on Fox Kids, and it's just all these same shows. And you you grow up with these shows. And I think for me, for me in particular, like like, and this is gonna sound lame, but whatever. It's like you you do <laughs> learn you do learn a lot from from these shows. Like, no, you definitely of, do. Like, you definitely do. There are a lot of interesting messages within these shows, even though they are just shows you know I, I did i didn't air quote there um but you do learn a lot so uh, just eventually you know after after years of, of watching and watching you know eventually eventually a lot of it kind of sticks with you so i think for me just like the, the anime stuff at least, at least as far as uh using anime with gifts that's something i used to do um on my old account but like not when i was making my own gifts like i would just like you know if if something really really crazy happened like i would just like go in the twitter app and then just search like mm-hmm. something in anime and then kind of tweet it out um and stuff and then just once and then start, i guess starting to do it with um, on tic-tac-tomar i think it was just after you know the i guess the 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 buzz or the nervousness of of the of the new account and um and the new followers and stuff kind of settled and I guess I kind of felt felt like you know I can kind of start showing my personality um personality a little bit more um and so that that's what's come to come down to so you know I'll I'll make like Dragon Ball Z references and and Pokemon references and Digimon references Digimon's better than Pokemon I don't care what anyone says um <laughs> so um so so oh, I, <laughs> the gasp was hilarious <laughs> um, <laughs> so um so yeah so yeah it's it's pretty much has been me just like letting letting my personality kind of come out through through my craft I guess if you want to call it gifting a craft um 
And I think it's been really, it's been really interesting. Like, I, I always get like a lot of people saying like, oh, you know, like, like your, your, your account like mixes anime and the Leafs and that's awesome. So being able to, being able to, to do that and show how like, how different things can be connected, even though they're completely different. I think that's, that's an awesome thing to see. Um, you know, you can have, you know, totally two different concepts, but you know, it takes, you know, it takes creativity and it takes, you know, um, it takes a lot of fun, you know, to, to be able to, to connect two different things that probably have nothing to do with each other, but then to still be able to combine them anyway. And, you know, and it just, it just really makes it fun. And it kind of, kind of gives, gives some, uh, a little more oomph to, um, to what's going on, even though, even if you've never watched like an episode of Dragon Ball Z, you know, like if I tweet out a GIF of Goku going Super Saiyan and say like Austin Matthews, like, you know, you kind of get the idea. Um, <laughs> and so, so it's, so it's been pretty cool and it's been, it's been really funny. And like, honestly, like for the most, for the most um, part, I don't often laugh at, laugh at my own tweets, but like you sometimes, if I have like a decent, like Leafs, Leafs, Dragon Ball Z comparison or at least Pokemon comparison, like I chuckle afterwards. I'm like, oh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a million dollar question. Uh, which is your favorite anime? I was just about to ask that, of course. Oh yeah, that's that's Digimon all the way, and um and by no means by no means am I saying Digimon is the best anime created. I I am not saying that. I I know that is objectively false, but for me, for me, Digimon is a show that I think that even though it was it was garnered towards kids, it did have a lot of adult or teenage like um themes and elements that as and then about watching as a as a kid growing up yourself, you can really gravitate to. And it's not just, and it's not like, and I'm not throwing shade. It's not, it's not just a little boy who goes into a forest and makes friends and goes on a journey and catches Pokemon and releases them for some reason. And then, you know, and continue, you know, try, tries to, tries to win a championship over and over and over and over again, even though he probably should have won years ago, but the show wanted to continue <laughs> doing it just because you can't end the show. Because if, if you, if you have Ash win a championship, then you have to end the show. And then all the kids are going to watch. I mean, he finally won. Absolutely no sense. He finally yeah, won. Yeah. But then yeah. he won in this new, like this, this weird, I don't know what they did with the anime animation but like looks weird you know i don't like it don't, but apparently it's yeah, popping in yeah. in japan like like the animation yeah, style yeah 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 anyway um yeah so so for me so for me like especially like in the first season of digimon like you have these cast of kids who get trapped sent off to this world but you but they're not but they, they, they're kids but they're dealing with a lot of dark things that don't that don't get touched on until like later on in the series so even though yeah sure it's awesome to see these monsters transform into bigger monsters and then fight other monsters you know that's awesome too but it's also growing with this with this group of kids you know you have you have one character who who feels really guilty because he's the reason why his sister got sick and is in the hospital you have a, a pair of brothers who whose parents are divorced um, and they, they have to deal with the fact of being brothers, but they can't be with each other all the time. You have another, uh, you have another character who, who, um, who just found out that he's adopted because he overheard his parents, um, talking about them and they're deciding what, on um, whether to tell them or not. There's another, there's another character who's having issues, um, uh, dealing with her mom. So like, there's, there's, there's all these, like, all these like elements that you wouldn't expect to be, you wouldn't expect to be in a, in a show like this. That are just coming up. So when you're watching this show, and then as the seasons progress, and you watch them grow up, and you see a new a new generation come up that have their their own insecurities and, and issues that they eventually deal with, you know, it kind of helps. It kind of helps you grow grow up as a person as well. You know, the themes of like courage and, and friendship and intelligence and and um, and uh, and serenity and you know and, and caring for the, pe the the people who are in your circle. You know, it's I, I feel like it's a lot of those 
a lot of those messages and ideals from that show that have stuck with me specifically. And that's why like that's that's a show that I'll continuously watch. Like I I have I have the entire series on DVD. Like I watch it like religiously, like like any chance any chance I can because it was definitely one of those one of those shows that kind of helped helped me grow and and taught me a lot of things as well. So yeah, it's Digimon all the way. Awesome. So there you go, folks. If you're wondering why uh, Omar posts a lot of Digimon gifts uh, on his Twitter page, uh, there's the answer. <laughs> and an- yeah. another quick question um, about the topic of gaming and, and anime and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Favorite Pokemon game? Because I know we were talking before we started this interview, we were just chatting up about uh, the new Pokemon games. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I want to know what your favorite Pokemon game is. Um, I think I'd have to say Silver. Nice. Just because... Just because well, one, it's a new generation, obviously, and that's awesome. But also, I love the fact that there's a there's a portion where you have to fight Red, like that final battle against Red. Like you have to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Like you're saving, like before you talk to him, you're souping up on hyper potions. You're making sure your 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 Pokemon are as high as they can be, and then you know you put them out, and then you get one shotted by Snorlax's hyper beam, and then it's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so for me, like that that preparing for that battle against Red, like was was awesome. So for me, I'll, I'll definitely say Silver, just because you got you got you got an element of both of the new and also the old. So you kind of it's also like it's it's kind of like you're fighting yourself in a way because like hey like I was red in the, in the previous games assuming you played red blue and yeah. um, and yellow yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. so it's it's really cool to see see that contrast and that final battle again is 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 really is really hype and it's really is really sick and then once you finally beat it it's like you know you jump in the air and freeze just like in any nineties nineties movie <laughs> so yeah I definitely say uh silver definitely yeah Gen two is nice. definitely my favorite generation mm-hmm. and then I'd oh, say generation yeah. one then probably four. But uh, Gen yeah. three though. Gen three is amazing. Those first four mm-hmm. generations mm-hmm. were so good. Yeah, they were hits. Yeah, each, they were. Each and every, each and every, every one. single one. And then, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like Gen six a lot. I like Gen six a lot, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it it did start to go downhill. Although yeah, the new I'm one, sure. the new one's pretty good. The short, uh, sword and shield are pretty good. Yeah, a good mm-hmm. return to form, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's a, this is like a big picture question for you, Omar. Um, how long do you envision making gifts? Because uh, I know that this is like part of your vision to become more in like presenting sports, like uh, facts and uh, trying to give uh, perspectives on things that people wouldn't normally pay attention to if they're just watching uh, the highlights. Uh, do you consider these gifts a passion project or just part of your career path? Um, a little bit of a little bit of both. I think definitely it's it's one it's something I like doing. Like I genuinely like do like doing it. I like I like trying to trying to um uh find new things to pay attention to. I like trying to find way find ways to 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 gift to gift better to video edit better. Um, yeah, you know, that's why I've, that's why I'm kind of I kind of gone into this weird like tech craze. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely both. Just because, <clears throat> just because I think for me. Um, even though gifting is, you know, is just, you know, just for, I guess, sorry for me, like gifting has just been, um, just directly just, just directed towards hockey, but it is, it can, I guess the skills that I've, that I've developed through gifting kind of can be brought into other, other fields. And I, I definitely noticed that, I guess my, my observation and awareness has kind of, has kind of improved from this. Um, but yeah, definitely, at least as far as gifting specifically, it's something I'd, I'd love to do. Just, um, I'd love to continue doing, like I envision gifting that Stanley cup championship, which is going to happen this year, mm-hmm. this season, by the way, like I, 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 I want, I want that gift so badly. Like, 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 
last season gifting Tyler Bozak uh, lifting the lifting the cup with St. Louis, like it was such a mix of emotion because it was like, it was, I was so happy for him because like he was here for so long and now he moved to another team and he won instantly. But like at the same time, I was just so and also envious. Like I felt like my fingers like started to curl a little bit because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I wanted this for us. <laughs> um, so 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 on like so um. So because on, on like a hobby, uh, hobby passion, passion wise, like I, I really want to do it just because I kind of want to, I want to, I want to be one of those people that, that have those final gifts of the, of the Leafs going into that final championship run. But just overall, like it's, it's something that I've definitely, that's definitely transitioned from just being just a simple hobby. And I think it's something that I can see myself doing, doing for a while, be it whether, whether it's Leafs gifting or hockey gifting or, or just, um any other thing that ends up uh, coming down down the line oh of course man i feel the same way for you on that and also with the leaf stanley cup but the one thing for me is if that moment happens part of me wants to give everything like the celebration and the stanley cup lifting but the other part of me wants to run out to the streets and celebrate and that's the part that i'm mm -hmm. worried like what am i how am i going to balance this out am i going to be doing my job or it's like screw this i'm just going to go celebrate because i'm (laughs) going to happen again (laughs) <laughs> yeah i've I've had conversations with people people um people have asked me that like do, like would you like say for example the leafs are like in a stanley cup final game seven which is you know that just that just you know gives me heart palpitations anyway mm-hmm. um like like would you actually be able to to sit down and give it now initially i'm like yeah yeah for sure now being in reality and seeing how i usually am when watching least playoff games i'm like okay if i'm this bad in the first round how well will I be down the line? So <laughs> it's definitely something you have to think about. But like, but, but yeah, like, like one of the things I worry about is that like, you know, they, the Leafs do the thing and then I whip my, I whip my, my laptop on the ground just for, just out of <laughs> losing control of my faculties <laughs> afterwards. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting um, when slash if they get there this season. Um, So yeah, it'll be cool. I mean, it'd be cool for all of us for sure. Um, and last thing, uh, do you have any any hot takes about the Leafs that you, you'd want to share? Um, as a whole, yeah, that's this kind of uh, you know, inside of you, burning inside of you that you want to share, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Leafs are winning the cup this year. Like I know I said it like five times, I kind of whisper as a joke. Like I'm I'm being a hundred percent serious, and let me let me tell you why. And I know usually this is like this is like a stupid Leafs fan, like oh you know the Leafs think they're gonna win everything. This is why I I I believe the Leafs. If there was ever a chance to win the cup, this would be their best chance, right? Mm-hmm. So, whenever the hockey comes comes back, I think it's highly probable that the regular season is done and they're gonna jump jump into this weird freaky deaky twenty four team Stanley Cup playoff thing. Now, I've seen a lot of people say like, "Oh, great! I'm so it's just been so great to watch hockey pause just so we can lose to Buffalo in the first round in three games or whatever." Yeah, whatever. Now, what I think is gonna happen, I think because. Um, it's been so long, and even though they are going to give teams like a, I don't know what they said, like a two to three week training camp to get ready, no one's really going to be ready. It's honestly, even though it's the playoffs, it's really going to be like the preseason. And you know, the preseason is is, is mostly scoring and scoring. You know, you, you you try to defend, but it usually doesn't work. And that is the Leafs' bread and butter. Like, and I've never been so happy to not have Mike Babcock behind the bench because now. Now, like we're gonna go into um, a realm of hockey that is gonna that is gonna 
be partitioned towards a Leafs style of play. And what it actually is going to come come down to not only is offense, it's also going to come on to de- uh, to um, goaltending. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on Frederick Anderson. But it is going to be as much as teams are going to be like, you know, we have to commit to defense, we have to commit to the defense, we have to play our systems, yada yada yada. It's going to be really messy because people are still aren't going to be in the groove of things, and especially the Leafs, who are likely going to be one of those teams who are going to be in those those proto first rounds of best of three series. It's going to be about offense. It's going to be about, you know, it's not going to be about like, keeping it to two to, um, two to one. It's going to be about, like, to score as many goals as possible and hopefully Anderson can stop six. Like, it's going to be like that to the, you know, um, at, least, at least to the start. And probably down the line, things might things might start to um uh, clamp up a little bit. But even still, like, the Leafs are coming in healthy. Granted, everyone else is coming in healthy as well, but health was one of the things that that was rubbing rubbing the Leafs over the wrong way this season. Morgan Riley started the season hurt, like and he was hurt mm-hmm. for a while. And you know, and even though not to say like Morgan Riley is like a, like a, like a, a Norris or a shutdown defenseman, but he's not as bad as he was as he was in the beginning of the season, right? So now we so so we have so we have health health as a factor. We finally have some 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 co- connectivity to um between head coach and and Kyle and Kyle Dubas and the GM. So we we kind of have um you know unity in in the sense of how the team how the team is going to play. We have players who we thought who we were concerned about uh, uh, playing up to their pen, to uh, playing up to their potential who are now. William Nylander is a flipping machine this season, <laughs> and like, like he just he turned he turned things on completely. Austin Matthews took another step, and not only offensively. This has probably been the best two way season for Austin Matthews in his career. And Michael, you can probably att- attest to this when you're when you're doing your gifts for um Maple Leafs Hostel. Like the plays that he was doing in the in the defensive zone, using his body to get aggressive in the corners to win puck battles, to to you know, put himself in positions to advance the puck for his teammates, and not necessarily thinking thinking for himself he has he has hit a new gear mm-hmm. john Tavares, i i do not believe recovered from that finger i do not believe that because he's always look he's always looked a little a little different mitch marner you know he's had his little ups and downs and i think what what happened uh, it, it's been talked about already what happened over the summer has kind of has kind of weighed out weighed on him a little bit i think I think out of all the people on the team who needed that break, I think he was definitely one of them. And I think he'll be better, be better for it moving on. We're gonna have Ilya Mikheyev back, who was on a he was on a heater before, you know, before that before that accident happened. Jake Muzzin's gonna be gonna gonna be fine. So and again, I'm not I'm not ignoring the fact that everyone else in the league is gonna be healthy as well. But I just think that this Leafs team, now that they can come together and be healthy, I think they're gonna look at themselves and be like, hey, it's gonna be a messy start. But we can win messy games, and then hopefully we can grow and come together and kind of start to put in those little fundamentals and start winning series and winning series. Now, the, of course, that's 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 dumb to say, you know, about a team who hasn't been been able to get out of the first round. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about what today is, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but, but like, but like, you know, like. And, and I know I know it's I know it's crazy to talk about those type of things, but I just I there's something within me that just feels like this is this is our year. If not to win it, then at least to do some damage. And I really think if the least stick to their strengths mm-hmm. and hopefully don't do anything ridiculously bad, like take a slap shot in overtime, 
theory. But you know, as long as those type of things aren't happening, then I think I think we really do have a chance. But again, as much as I'm talking about you know about offense and, and opportunity, I think it really is going to come down to the player Frederick Anderson, who who he himself has definitely had roller coasters past the October bad month. So you know, hopefully he can shut these things down. And if not, you know, we have good old golden retriever Jack Jack Campbell behind him who oh, can yeah. um who can who can step in. So yeah, yeah. As a whole, I'm really look. I'm really feeling good about this team heading into whatever format the NHL decides on. But um, you know, I could be I could be wrong, and we can end up you know being swept. You know, so mm-hmm. or there's no playoff <laughs> altogether. <laughs> or yeah, or that, or even that. Like that. That's that's still that's still a possibility as well. Like yeah, sure, the NHL they're trying to. They're trying to, you know, to put things in position just in case if they, you know, if things do wrap up and they can return, whatever. Sure, you know, it it still, it still definitely is a possibility that you know they just cancel the season and then, you know, do the draft, come back, come back for 2020, 2021, right? Like the the AHL already did it. Granted, you know, the AHL, the you know, different leagues, they couldn't, they couldn't, well, they couldn't afford to play games without fans, so it makes sense. Um, so yeah, who knows? Who knows? Just just a waiting game at this point. No, of course, and you make a very valid point on a lot of fronts. Uh, and I and the same thing about the Matthews uh, observation. Yep, he's definitely taking a lot of steps this season to round out his two-way game. And uh, when you were mentioning the messy games, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, an afternoon game that I just was very luckily able to attend between the Leafs and the Hurricanes. No, mm. not the other Hurricanes, Leafs, Hurricanes. <laughs> uh, this is the one that I think is the best one I've seen. And uh, just from an entertainment perspective, and I I could go on for hours just about the experience and the emotional state I was in throughout the entire thing. But uh, <laughs> if they can play in games like that, they can probably win messy games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, and and that and that's the thing. And a lot of people, a lot of people say that, like they, the play by play, the color people say like you know like the thing about this Leafs team is that you know if they're down by two goals, like you know there's there's no doubt that they have the potential to come back. Now the problem was down. The problem was especially early in the season is that they didn't have the goaltending to withstand um, giving up defensive positioning to take those leaps to score more, right? So like if 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 Riley is jumping up into the play more, Barry jumping up into the play more, and then you have you know odd man rushes coming coming back, like the goaltending wasn't steady enough to have those like okay, I'm gonna bail you out saves. And you know a lot of that fell on Mike Michael Hutchinson, unfortunately. A lot of that fell on Freddie as well. You know he was laying a lot, a lot of five, uh, five hole goals in in the beginning, beginning of the season. He's, you know, he seemed to kind of turn around a little bit. I mean, now we have a, a reliable goaltender in Jack Campbell, so that's definitely going to be one of the one of the key key factors. Not even for the least for any team, for any team right now. I think goaltending is going to be like the number one most important thing. So that's why you look at a team like the Montreal Canadiens who could get in based on this twenty four team format. If Carey Price decides to go God mode, you know. Who knows? Who knows, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. it's it's really it's really crazy. And I think Mark Mark Giordano said it said it best. Um, I think like a couple of weeks ago that this will like as much as people are going to be like, oh yeah, it's gonna it's not going to count. It's going to be an asterisk. No, this is going to be the hardest Stanley Cup to win. I mean, Absolutely. everyone will be healthy as well. Exactly. exactly, especially if you're one of those teams who are playing in that who don't get that buy. You're playing an extra series against a team who's just sitting down chilling. Mm-hmm. right so you're definitely so if one of those teams win then you're definitely playing more than you more than the usual amount of games to win the stanley cup so even though it's a messy format it's definitely going to be a difficult championship to win regardless mm-hmm. and i don't think any team's going to be going to care if some fans are like oh this doesn't count because the season was shortened by absolutely uh, not 
Absolutely not. If that's the case, then they canceled the, uh, the Chicago Second Cup in 2013. It didn't count. <laughs> they mm-hmm. only played 48 games that year. It didn't yeah. count. Yep, there you go. There I think go. the Saint Leaf Leaf fans would probably some some Leafs haters. Uh, I meant to say that uh, would would have been mad. Would have said the same thing if the Leafs won the cup in 2013. But uh, maybe maybe not. I don't know if if the if it was meant to be. But uh, let's not go down that road anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless we want to remember the fact that Boston oh, yeah. uh, lost the cup in 17 seconds. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good that's a good topic to talk about. But uh, yeah. we want to thank you. <laughs> we want to thank you again for uh, coming onto the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been great, awesome. It's been really, really fun, you know, talking about a whole bunch of type of stuff. So yeah, it's been great. Ian Tullock, you suck. <laughs> oh, I hope man. I hope he gets to this part. I hope he gets I hope he gets to this part of the podcast. Oh but yeah, it's been a blast. We're, we're awesome. naming the show the Dangle Navy Trash Talking Podcast. <laughs> Throwing shade. <laughs> for sure. Oh man, but uh for sure. We'll 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 keep in touch and uh thanks so much for coming on. It was it was it was fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. thanks, man. Yeah, and we yeah, re- we also me. really appreciate all the support you've been giving the podcast. So we see it on Twitter. So we really appreciate that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about paying it forward, right? Like you know, it's just it's like um, Michael, your your question um, earlier about you know about like uh, how much how much I've grown. Like it's it's come, it's come down to literally you know uh, retweets, replies, all that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. I definitely try try to do the do the same thing for other people. So yeah, no, of course, and we paid awesome. I'll pay it forward as well, man. Mm-hmm. Keep up the good <laughs> same <work>. here. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Didn't I tell you guys? Wasn't that an awesome interview or what? Omar is awesome, honestly. And uh, he he didn't get to mention it, but he's actually uh, playing Fortnite with other uh, people on Twitter. Um, and they're actually streaming. Actually, our, our good friend uh, Nick, Nick Barden, is streaming that. So they stream some nights. So if you guys want to check that out, definitely check it out. Yes, and uh, the episode will be uh, have already aired uh, by the time mm-hmm. this episode gets published. So but... definitely highlights uh if you haven't seen them yet and 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 stay posted on both their twitters because uh uh they definitely update when uh when they go live um speaking of video games though i mean uh we did kind of talk about it with uh omar but michael i want to play uh i'll play some fortnite with you or or something we gotta play we gotta get on uh the video games together absolutely man and Mm -hmm. uh i it has been a while for me since i played fortnite but since it's one of the few games that you can do cross-platform, uh, I'm totally down for that. Or at least until I get a PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm actually, I'm going to start streaming this week. I just got, you know, some of the stuff I needed to stream um, right. just this week. So I'm going to start and I'm trying to think of what games to stream. But uh, if you want to hop on Fortnite, I could stream that. and It would be cool. And uh, maybe some mm-hmm. of our, uh, the listeners could, uh, I guess, come and watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can invite some people we know um some of our friends on on here you know of course yeah and guys give matthew some suggestions of what games you can play uh, it doesn't have to always be fortnite because not always i'm going to be able to play with <laughs> i them. i actually did a, i did a poll and i feel like fortnite was the one people don't want to see <laughs> probably just because there's so many people to play fortnite i did a, a poll and it was nhl 20 won the poll 39 percent, and then 2k nba 2k 20 35 percent Fortnite got four percent, and then some <laughs> other games was twenty two percent. So fair. I'll have to see. I think Fortnite is a good one off game, but we'll see. Yeah, um, of course. Oh yeah, 
uh but, um, but stay tuned for that yes of course um so during our little break uh i just noticed i just saw a notification on twitter about kyle clifford and this is kind of repeating of old news that we were talking about in the past but it's kind of a repeat of what we were saying before what we were talking about before kyle clifford was talking about how he wants to stay in toronto and he feels that the team is in the same spot and he wants to win a stanley cup and that's what motivates him to want to stay so let me ask you this obviously Kyle Clifford has made a positive impact on the team since he's arrived. But if he were to be re-signed, what kind of deal do you want to see that being signed to? My uh, my thoughts haven't changed on this. I definitely would love to see Clifford back with the Leafs. Um, but I do think like they the Leafs shouldn't overpay because we saw them overpay for that kind of player before in Matt Martin. And how they had to kind of get rid of that contract eventually as well. Right. Um, I wouldn't sign him long term. This isn't a player you want, you know, to add to your core. Honestly, I would love to add him for, you know, just give him another year or something. A year, maybe two years max, right? And anywhere I'd give him I'd give him around anywhere from like one point five to two million. I don't know if I'm asking for too much or uh like as in is that too unrealistic of an amount or would he possibly ask for more but if he right. is asking for more i wouldn't give him you know i more than 2.5 million yeah absolutely i think uh the, the the value of the deal has to be taken into account and obviously the value of a player like martin matt martin was prevalent uh, when he was in toronto but i think that the contract is the most important thing they have they have to get right because if they don't, then that trade they have to, that just eats up into salary and takes away from uh, money given to more important players on the team. And you have a situation like where the Leafs have to move Matt Martin for mm-hmm. basically nothing. If it's a one-year contract, I'd feel a little more comfortable about giving him, you know, a little more money because you know it's not going to stay on the books. Mm-hmm. But if it's going to be like if he's asking for two years, you know, no more than two point five, and even that's pushing it. Ideally, like yeah, like I said, one point five to two. I don't know if that's realistic or not, but we'll see what his asking price is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's something that will be addressed because, I mean, yes, obviously Kyle Davis has had a bit of a... I don't know how was the best way of putting it, but we have overpaid slightly for his most important players. And and I think that in some ways, when you overpay your most important players just a little bit, it's kind of okay. But... He has given out pretty good deals to some of the lesser-known players on the team, and I think that that's something that we will probably see on a, on us the next deal with Cal Clifford. He's he's currently making an average salary of uh, one point six million, and I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I I I don't really think he's looking for a, a pay increase significantly mm-hmm. at all. Really, I think uh, I think that around around one point five to two is around the ballpark that the Leafs would be able to sign him mm-hmm. if we if if jason spets has taught us anything if you have if your player has a chance to win the stanley cup for their hometown team and they have to accept a little bit less money to do that i think kyle clifford might be that person hopefully and i'm not saying that he will but there's a possibility that he might be willing to take a little bit less if I that mean, means being yeah, on the team the leafs just previously acquired him so he still has time to get accustomed here with the team and with toronto mm-hmm. um but We'll see how it goes. Speaking uh, of things, we'll see how it goes. Uh, 
I want to talk a little bit about the NBA because there has mm. been some developments on uh, what the future holds for the 2019-20 uh, season. Mm-hmm. Again, not a lot of uh, Raptors news this week, but definitely developments in the NBA. And Michael, do you want to just tell them uh, what the uh, news so far is? Well, I think the first thing for, for Toronto is that practice facilities have been opened up again, which is great because that means it's uh, one step closer to players working out and uh, getting playing resume. And the uh, Raptors facility is fully open. The Leafs cannot fully start practices yet because uh, they have to wait until every other city is safe to do so. But Kasper Kapanen recently was shown to have returned to Toronto and he's starting his quarantine. And just today, Malcolm Miller was his first player, was the first Raptors player to return to the OVO Center and do a workout. So one step closer to basketball returning, and obviously Leafs is a, a different story altogether. But in terms of the bigger picture about where things are going with uh, the with the NBA, there was an announcement a few days ago about extending the termination date of the CBA, which will be going through September. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, my only thoughts are that's really the right call and i know it i mean technically i guess it's kind of unfair to the players but what, what could they do they have to i mean well with the news i mean I, I believe i read that adam silver has you know two to four weeks to finally decide on if he wants to continue the season or not mm-hmm. but they they still have an obligation to play the rest of the season and with that the cba has to be extended yeah Absolutely. And I think that with with all the practice facilities being open, states are slowly starting to reopen. Whether or not that's a good thing is uh, a, another topic altogether. But sports are, are slowly but surely trickling back in. We've already seen yesterday that Arizona is allowing pro sports to return. So if they want to play uh, games like in one host city, that's one place that they could do it. And I think because the season has been so, mo- pretty much the majority of the season has been completed. The majority of the playoff teams are comfortably in their spots. Maybe the, the the eight seeds are up in the air, but I think most teams that are near the bottom are fine with just not coming back and playing. And I think you make a really good point. There's an obligation to just finish the season because so much of the season has been played. Why not just try and finish the playoffs? Because the playoffs are really what's more important. Because let's put it this way. I think it would really suck for the NBA to have one season get canceled so close to the end. And we obviously talked about the NHL, how they've had already two situations where no Stanley Cup was awarded and having another one like that so close to the, to, to the second one would really hurt uh, the reputation. But I think the NBA wants to avoid it at all costs. Adam Silver said yesterday that he hopes to get the season resumed. And I think that it gives, it gives hope that if play were to resume, It'll probably just be the playoffs. And I think that's really all there needs to be. We don't need to see regular season games because we've said this all along. The regular season really does not matter. It's all about the playoffs. And I think that it can work. A right, Just a playoff game, playoff NBA playoffs with no fans in the stands. Because that's really what it has to be. We're just so, like I said, the season is so close to the end. You may as well just try and finish it. Then figure out how the plan is going for next season, which is going to be affected by this anyway. And you can start the season later. It's all fine. The, the plan is it's just a perfectly pla- mapped up plan. As long as it's safe to do so, I say try and finish, finish the playoffs. 100%. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, we'll just have to see, of course. But uh, 
I think that I think the NBA especially, um, I think they're able to salvage the season, and 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 obviously Adam Silver has to make that decision. But things are looking like you know they're going to be able to do that. Absolutely, and I think that uh, we're I'm feeling more confident as time progresses. The virus slowly gets contained, and people are able to readjust back into society with the mask and making finding new ways to be able to continue different events without compromising people's health. And I think we're at a, a point in, in society in human history where these things can be done. Obviously, you have to keep people's health in mind, but it's pos- entirely possible that the NBA could develop face masks that protect the players and they can be able to play their games. Obviously, for the NHL, they just have to wear cage masks all the time. They're going to wear the, but... the fishbowl. Yes, absolutely. The fishbowl. You, you can, can't even can... chirp them because everyone's going to be wearing it. Yeah, you could. I, I for the NHL, I have a fishbowl that's on deck. You can use one. You can use it if you want. <laughs> but yeah, we'll 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 have to see. I, I definitely think they'll they'll come up with something that allow us to you know or allow the the NBA to continue for sure. Um, moving on though, I think you uh you have some uh some news from uh, the MLB that you want to share. Yes. So it looks like the MLB has a plan in place to try and get the season started in July. And obviously, it would just be half the season, so an 81-game regular season. And uh, there is some mixed reception on it because some of the players have expressed concerns about the plan and that they went just before the plan was heard. I remember there was a big thread that went viral from Sean Doolittle, who used to be of the Washington Nationals, expressing some very valid concerns about uh, just how testing and how there's so many uh, people that need to be involved for a baseball team in order for a game to function. And those need to be taken into account. And uh, when it sounds like the owners want to have the season resume in July, if it's safe to do so, I think it could work. What do you think? I think it could work. I think baseball, um, I said it first, but uh, they were looking like the sport that can return, you know, the quickest. I mean, we didn't see any major cases or any major outbreaks happening in baseball. And, um, it looks like they've kind of taken the steps to, um, I mean, the, they, they were first to take the steps to kind of, uh, you know, make it so they can continue the league. Obviously they were, they were looking into neutral zone, neutral spaces where they can host, um, games and things like that. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I, I definitely think they'll, they'll be back soon and, and things are starting to look like they're opening up. So I think July is a realistic date to see, uh, to, to kind of expect, baseball back yeah i've just brought up an article uh, from the cbs that details the uh the plan which will start in early july and this is what the owners have approved an 82 game regional schedule and a universal dh 30 man active rosters with 20 player taxi squad 14 teams in the postseason with games played in home cities in october and a 50 50 revenue split for the players and owners now the one thing that sticks out in my mind is a universal dh and that's something that's been talked about for years, having the DH rule being uh, implemented into the National League because the batting averages in the American League for a long time have been slightly higher than the you NL, know, as far as I can tell. So now that this rule has been implemented in this proposed plan for this for this season, do you think it could work? Um, I definitely think it'll work. What What are your thoughts? I I, um, I, I don't see any problem with it, honestly. You know what? This is a really interesting subject because in baseball, they really are hell-bent on tradition. And one thing... That's that, the only thing I could see, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. The National League has been very hesitant for years to implement the the designated hitter role for 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 reasons primarily to relation to tradition, which I think is a load of baloney. Because as much as I love to see pitchers in the batter's box, uh, in the batter's box, either getting hits or hit, hitting dingers, I think there's something to be said about increasing the pace of play and just having more exciting uh, games all around. Because if there's one thing I've noticed, I my when I'm not watching Blue Jays games, at least during the regular season, I kind of gravitate towards the American League because then the offense is much more prevalent in the American League, as as, as I mentioned off the top. And the National League, not so much, although uh, the occasional home run from uh, guys like Bartolo Colon is always fun to see. Let's not kid ourselves. But I think there's something to be said about having more offense. And I think that that's what the will, will make the baseball much more exciting uh, product mm-hmm. for the youth is more offense. I think for all sports, they're going to try to use this shortened season um, or, I mean, this for basketball and hockey this continued season um they're gonna try to make it as entertaining as possible and just you know take the risks and try out new things um that will get them there Mm -hmm. and one thing that's really helpful for the mlb is that kbo which is the korean baseball uh league (laughs) (laughs) it's uh they've given a sample size of how baseball can work with no fans in the stands and uh, a closed off environment for the players where they can mm-hmm. have to protect themselves. It can work. And it's been an, I, I haven't been able to watch full highlights all the time, but from what I can gather, it's a very entertaining product and it gives fans a chance to watch live sports. A hundred percent. I agree. Um, I want to move along because we do have uh, a lot of things uh, uh, in this uh, podcast that we, we do want to do something cool. We'll take a quick break before we get to that. But uh, I, I, I suggested last week that uh, we start redrafting um, mm-hmm. drafts, and uh, yeah. you like that idea. So how, we, um, how we've organized this is we're going to do from 2010 to 2017. Um, first, we're going to do the NHL drafts, and we're going to redraft them. And then uh, we're thinking of doing the NBA drafts afterwards. So that'll be fun. Um, we're going to do the 2010 NHL draft um, right after this break and we'll give you guys more details but uh, let's take a quick break and then be right back of course Alright, so uh, we're back, and um, as I kind of mentioned before we went on break, uh, we are going to try our very first redraft um, segment for the podcast. I'm kind of excited. It's going to be yeah. fun. Um, brings us some uh, speculation, uh, some uh, things to talk about. Um, also, look back on which drafts were strong and which weren't. Um, but... I think we agreed that uh, so we're going to be going through from the 2010 NHL draft up to the 2017 NHL draft. We're going to do yep. one per episode. And we chose that period because, um, yeah, as you said, Michael, uh, when we were discussing this, 2018 and 2019 are still too uh, fairly too too recent to uh, kind of judge if uh, players are, you know, you know, where they would rank in a redraft. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um. And- Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it just this will be a 
good opportunity uh, just before we begin just to have some fun and just contemplate what if like different players were taking in different positions. But uh, but also for you guys, uh, you can give us some feedback on our picks mm-hmm. and let us know if either we got it right on the money or we're dead wrong. So let us know what you think of this format. I think this will, this will work, but uh, any feedback would be very much appreciated. I think that's the beauty of um, redrafts in general because um if anything it just means you know um these these picks are it's always like for a lot of picks it's not right or wrong you know like one team might need one pick more than the other or one player more than the other or one one person might think that this player is more valuable than the other in in a different way and some are just unanimously agreed upon and i think that's what's awesome about redrafts right of course um but anyways so for the rules we didn't really come up with any you know any hard rules but essentially how we're going to do this is we're going to do it rather than coming up with an agreed upon um draft between us two um we're going to do it where like let's say you're one team air quotes on team and i'm one team and you're going to make your pick i'm going to make make my pick um and, and so on right um so with that um let me just uh let me just pull up a coin flip generator um, to see who gets the first overall pick. Okay. Okay. So uh, let me just set this up. Uh, you're going to have to call heads or tails. Mm. Did you flip the coin? Um, not yet. I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> I don't have a coin with me unless you do. I'm actually going to get a, um, a generator. <laughs> the anticipation is killing me. Here we I go. I unfortunately don't have a coin. I don't either. I mean, who has who has cash on them right now? Uh, I was like, who needs cash when you've got? Okay, cash? I I got one. Um, so I'll be heads, you be tails for whoever yeah, gets I'll first pick, and then we'll alternate from there. And it's tails, so you get you get okay. first pick. All right. So from the 2010 entry draft, um, as we know, um, the first overall pick in that one was Taylor Hall. And uh, that was the infamous t- Taylor and Tyler, um, right. you know, t- Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan draft. So I want to know, who do you have with your first pick? Okay, this one was a pretty easy choice for me. Because when I look back on the draft, I think the Edmonton Oilers got their for the first pick wrong. I think they should have taken Tyler Sagan first overall. And that's who I'm going to go with in the redraft. Okay, so we have Tyler Sagan. So um, let me write this down. We will. I'll, I'll make a little graphic and throw it up on Twitter after. But uh, so you draft Tyler Sagan first, who originally mm-hmm. went second overall. And uh, that's an interesting pick. I know. Uh, honestly, I would went the same with you. Um, I I definitely think uh, Tyler Sagan has been the more complete player. Um, I mean, obviously Taylor Hall has one MVP, but um. Tyler Sagan has a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. And uh, I just want to read some of his stats so far. Uh, He has 741 games played, and he has 279 goals and 356 assists in those games for 635 points. That leads all uh, players in the draft in points. Hmm. And I think that uh, if we're just looking at it from that perspective, uh, like I understand that the Edmonton Oilers probably went with who they think was the best player available. But I think 
that if we look at the perspective of the team that they had to draft Connor McDavid because they desperately needed a franchise center, I think that role could have been satisfied by drafting uh, Tyler Sagan. And let's assume that the 2011 draft, they do the same thing and draft Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Well, in 2012, let's assume they get the first overall pick again. Maybe I mean, they did. They don't take Neil Yakupov. <laughs> or maybe they do, and he actually turns out better this time because mm. he actually has a competent center. And, I mean, just but, to throw some salt in the wound, uh, Tyler Sagan, who you picked to go first overall, could have been a Toronto Maple Leaf, but we'll talk about that. We don't We don't. We need actually to don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Anyways. Don't talk about <laughs> in regards to the Leafs until something good happens. Let's keep it. Let's keep it moving, cause uh, we have. I mean, I I forgot to mention this, but we're just gonna do the first ten picks. Otherwise, yeah. it would take forever. But the first ten picks of each draft. So moving on, I guess I got second overall, and I'm gonna go with Taylor Hall this time. Okay. Um, Taylor Hall. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of great offensive, uh, wingers in this draft. Um, that mm-hmm. I have down here, but Taylor Hall stuck out to me. Obviously, we saw him win MVP still such a great player and I definitely think he's the second best player in this draft still Mm -hmm. okay I'm going to have a really hard time with the third pick I think I have three players mm -hmm. that I've taken I think in this draft it really I don't want to say it doesn't fall off because there's a this was a really strong draft looking back but I think Mm -hmm. it was I think number one and two are pretty unanimous yeah I think that the top two picks were pretty easy to pick but I think the order of the next three picks can be taken either way, I would say. But mm-hmm. I think you can't go wrong. Any team that takes one of these three players can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. But I would have. But com- there's three players that I'm thinking of, and the player that really sticks out in my mind, who is the third best player to come out of this draft, it's got to be Vladimir Tarasenko. So I'm gonna go with Tarasenko third. Okay. So you kind of went off the board of my board, my draft board. But that's that's a really good pick. So you got Vladimir Tarasenko. And Tarasenko, obviously, he's a Stanley Cup winner now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just been a great player. And I remember watching the 2010 draft. And for some reason, it'll always stick with me, but for some reason, when the Blues drafted Tarasenko, I don't know. I, I just had a feeling like I, I saw his highlights. I had a feeling like he'd be a great you know, offensive player in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the best goal scorer, I would say. Pure goal scorer in this league. Uh, in this uh draft yeah um aside from jeff skinner but um i mean he has 214 goals 214 assists for 428 points on his career and a stanley cup so that's an impressive resume and i think it would have been more this season had it not been for the injury that wiped him out for basically the majority of the regular season he's Mm -hmm. been he's been that good of a player for sure so um with with the fourth overall pick for me um, I'm actually getting to take, I actually had Tarasenko at four on my draft board at okay. three. I'm going to take, um, arguably one of the biggest draft steals of this draft, Mark Stone. Yeah. Who originally went, uh, 178th to Ottawa. And he's honestly been just a complete player for, for the senders. Um, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like uh, Taylor Hall's better offensively, like strictly offensively, but Mark Stone is one of the best, um, you know, he, he's he's a complete player and i mm-hmm. really liked him so um i take mark stone um he has 385 points in 449 games that's uh that's 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 a good efficiency as well absolutely i'm gonna be honest man that was the player that i was tempted to take as well because mm-hmm. uh 
number three because he's just that great of a two-way player. And I think what people tend to forget is that, well, offense is definitely important, and I think there's a reason why Terrace, like uh, Sagan and Hall were the first two picks. They're uh, having a very good two-way player is also very important. And Mark Stone is probably one of the best uh, all-around players in hockey at the moment. For so sure. I think the Ottawa Senators got a steal in him taking him so late in the draft. And it's such a shame that it could they he, he couldn't stick around there because imagine how awesome that team would have been if they actually kept the core together. <laughs> For sure, honestly, um, he was definitely arguably the most the biggest draft steal of this draft. Um, but now now it's your turn with the fifth pick. Okay, with the fifth pick, this is probably the, this is probably easy for me to do. Um, I could take this this took take like one player, but I think this other one has really improved impressed me over the years, and it's got to be Evgeny Kuznetsov. I had him at fifth too. Um, there we go. Exactly, I think it's self-explanatory. Stanley Cup winner, great offensive player, great center. Honestly, I think that center that the that the Caps really needed to push them forward. Absolutely, and I think it's a shame that he didn't. It took him so long to come over to North America because imagine how how he could have been even better than what his numbers are showing if he started his career in uh, in the in Washington much earlier than he actually did. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, his his career didn't start until four years after. Because I think he spent most of that time playing in the KHL, and I remember being intrigued by him when he uh, first came over, and he's definitely imp- improved a lot since uh, take hopping uh, over the pond. For sure, um, those top five were, yeah, it, it, it's a really strong top five. After the top five, it was kind of hard for me to decide where I want to order these next players on my draft board, mm-hmm. um, but I think I've narrowed it down for for me with the sixth pick. I'm going to take Ryan Johansson. Who originally went fourth overall so he's the first i mean other than taylor hall he's the first player who kind of gets bumped a couple spots um yeah. so he's falling now to sixth overall um still i mean he had a he had a, a a great few seasons and then he got traded to nashville um his production has kind of slowed down but he's still a great second line center um i he's an ideal second line center honestly he still plays a great game um yeah and uh that's who i'm picking at number six that's a good pick. I uh, I think I think for if you're if you're trying to if a team is around that spot and they missed out on Tyler Sagan, they can't go wrong with Brian Johansson. And it's a, he had a bit of a down year this year in Nashville, but I think most teams would be very happy to have him on their team as either a second line, borderline first line center. Mm-hmm. Um. So now it's your turn. Okay. So number seven. This one's a little bit trickier, like 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 you were saying, because there's a lot of decent players that are. Uh, available right now but i'm gonna go a little bit off the board and pick a defenseman this time a player that uh took a while to uh make it to the nhl but was and was a bit of a late bloomer but i think he's definitely earned his spot in the top 10 and that's going to be john Klinberg. that's exactly who i had a seven <laughs> there we go but it was that just shows how strong of a draft it was and exactly john Klingberg. um he's definitely shown that he can be a premier defender in this league um he, he it took him a while to kind of get into the nhl but once he did man he played great he's uh i think uh he's second in out of that draft out of the defenseman in that draft he's second in points scored and he i mean first is cam fowler but cam fowler has played 679 games compared to john Klingberg, who here i have him playing 367 games over his career 
and he only yeah. has a re- about about 40 I think it's about 40 42 I'm doing quick math here um less than Cam Fowler in points right yeah I think John Klinberg was the better pick between him and Cam Fowler and this is no knock on Cam Fowler Cam Fowler is a great offensive defenseman but uh I think if we're looking back on that draft I think Anaheim would have been better off taking John Klinberg and being patient with his development and let's not forget um that's one of the biggest draft steals in our redraft here he went from 131 uh, to seven so that's a huge mm-hmm. jump as well all right let's go with number eight now because uh there are a few other players i can think of but i don't know who you're gonna go with so i know these uh these last few are definitely a lot uh, there are a lot of good players so it's definitely harder to differentiate you know exactly where they would go um at number eight i'm gonna take jeff skinner okay um we saw he came into the nhl as a as a fresh rookie and he played amazingly he was an all-star in his first year Mm -hmm. um and i think if you want like i said with tarasenko a pure goal scorer but jeff skinner is also arguably the best goal scorer in this uh draft um so he has 258 goals um 207 assists and 465 points but the main thing is his goals and let's not forget he is on Buffalo now, but he scored 40 goals last season. That's not something to, you know, just ignore. Um, I know last year was a great season for a lot of players offensively, but Jeff Skinner, yeah. is a he's a proven goal scorer. And um, him and Jack Eichel are great together. Um, and we'll just have to see how he, I guess, keeps improving. Um, but I think that's a safe pick at number eight. Yeah, and I think that he had a great start to his career early on and kind of fell off a little bit partly and due to injuries, but Jeff Skinner was came out of the gate as a bona fide goal scorer, but also he was a great skater. I think people sometimes forget. I was about to bring that up. Be yeah. a figure skater. He was up. a figure skater, yeah. I remember watching those videos of him uh figure skating. I think it's it goes to show that you really like NHL players now really take put an emphasis on skating because that really helps uh you elevate as a player. Because if you can't skate or can't skate particularly well, you're not going to make it far in hockey. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. And it's always impressive to see players who don't have great skating after they are drafted and then make it to the NHL, and their skating is vastly improved. That's me. I suck at skating. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's something i got to work on, too. Maybe uh, a uh, 26 undrafted. <laughs> we'll see. For sure. So um, final two picks. One for you, one okay. for me. Your turn. I've got, uh, okay, there's two players that immediately come to mind, and I have a really hard time trying to differentiate who I would go with. One, uh, it's just, I think it's just for me, if I am going to have a player, a very important player on my team, it's got to be some, but the very most important position has to be from the back of the net, and that has to be, I'm going to go with the best goalie that was taken in the 2010 draft, Frederick Anderson. Nice pick. Now, I was thinking... I forgot to clarify this with you uh, before, but I was going to ask you, do you think we should count him? Because obviously he re-entered for the 2012 draft afterwards. Um, but I think we should count him. I also had him on my board a, a little lower, but definitely you need you need a goalie, right? Yeah. He's the, he's most definitely the best goalie to come out of the 2010 draft. And yes, he did get drafted again later in 2012, but I think it's it worked out perfectly fine the way the draft went because uh 
I think you can go either or direction. Like, do, does he count for 2010, 2012? I think he was counts for both. And I think the Carolina Hurricanes really dropped the ball in not being able to sign him because let's look at what was one of the biggest problems for the Hurricanes for the last number of years before the previous season. Goaltending was holding them back of making a Stanley Cup final, Stanley mm-hmm. Cup run, or just going to the playoffs altogether. And I think if they had Frederick Anderson, they were able to sign him and he developed the way he has, they probably, history would have changed a lot. The Carolina Hurricanes would be remembered much more fondly than as that team that analytical uh, hockey analysts loved, but they just can't shake off the uh, the fact that they need, a, they need a good goalie. And now they have it. So 100%. I think they probably won't be too upset with the way things went. Okay, and for my final pick um, of our redraft, it's between two players for me, and I'll give a nod to the player I'm not going to choose after, but um, I think I'm going to go with Jaden Schwartz to round Ooh. out the uh, the top 10. Um, definitely a, a really good, complete offensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Stanley Cup champion now. Uh, been a huge piece of St. Louis's core. Um, 520 games played, 364 points. Resume kind of speaks for itself. Um, he's just he's just great with uh, with the Blues, and he's... He's been great in the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting pick for me because I if I I think if, if it were me taking the tenth pick, I probably would have gone with the other player that you're thinking of. I'm not going to say his name right now. Let's see. I, I think, who was it? I I was gonna say I thought you were gonna take Brandon Gallagher. In all honesty, uh-huh. yeah, that was my. Uh, so I had Jaden Schwartz at nine, and I had Brandon Gallagher at ten. I had Freddie Anderson at 12, so you actually slot him up. So that's why I took Jane Schwartz. But yeah, Brandon Gallagher was also there. Again, another complete player, a great offensive player from Montreal. And um, yeah, I just, I took Jane Schwartz. Um, he's a little more efficient um, in terms of point scoring. And uh, we've seen what he can achieve with a good uh, core around him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Brandon Gallagher is great as well. I, I think you can't go wrong with either uh, either of the two. Oh, absolutely and i think what 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 reminds what i think Brent makes brandon gallagher such an intriguing player to pick is he's kind of a brad marchand light and what i mean by that he's a smaller player he's a little physical but he's a great all-around scorer and i think that those kind of players are super valuable in today's game we're starting to become much more valuable and what's made friend brad marchand much more of a, a better player than where he was at the start of his career was really developing and uh, fine-tuning his offensive game. And yes, he can be a physical presence, and that uh, makes it... Uh, he's always going to have that. But having that offensive abilities and just being a, a very lethal weapon on that top line, which we will never shake off our our, mem- our nightmares, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> him being a part of the line and doing mm. a lot of damage. So um, that was the redraft, though. I'll quickly read out the order of our redraft. So... It went Tyler Sagan, Taylor Hall, Vladimir Tarasenko, Mark Stone, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Ryan Johansson, John Klingberg, Jeff Skinner, Frederick Anderson, and then Jaden Schwartz. Let's do um, quick, a few uh, honorable mentions. Let's say, let's do mm-hmm. quickly I mean, five honorable mentions. We already mentioned Brandon Gallagher. Brandon right Gallagher, I had Cam Fowler, Justin Folk, uh, Kevin Hayes, Brock Nelson. I don't know if you had any other names other than uh, those. Tyler Toffoli deserves mm-hmm. a mention. Uh, Cam Fowler obviously deserves some credit as well. Uh, Peter Morazic for sure as well. 
And uh, I have to give uh, Mikhail Granlin a, a, a nod as well. He's mm-hmm. also a decent uh, second line, third line center. That was a very good, uh, looking back, the 2010 draft was a very strong draft, actually, and really shaped uh, the NHL as it is today. Absolutely. And I think that people tend to forget it because everyone always looks to the 2003 draft as the greatest draft in NHL history. But I think if we're going to be ranking drafts, I think this would be, uh, this is definitely up there as one of the best drafts in terms of just the quality players that were taken and just the the incredible depth. Because I'm looking at some of the other players that were taking that draft. Those are players that I think a lot of teams would love to have right now. I mean, there's been a number of jumps in our redraft, like Freddie Anderson from number 187, Klingberg from number 131, uh, Mark Stone from 178. So there's definitely a lot of draft steals in that draft. Oh, there's one more player that we should mention and who should definitely deserve an honorable mention, Zach Hyman. Oh, yeah, of course. I saw him there. Um, a definitely, definitely great pickup, uh, you know. I mean, obviously he wasn't drafted by the Leafs, but now just seeing his effect, um, you know, he could he could definitely slot up in the first round, possibly in a redraft. Definitely a late first round pick in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, that was our redraft. Um, next week we will do the 2011 redraft, so stay tuned for that. And, uh, and that one's going to be interesting because that's yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously popularly known as one of the weaker drafts uh, that the NHL has ever seen. Of course, yeah. So let us know what you think of this uh, format that we have here. What do you think of the way we were doing it? Uh, I think it was. I think it worked out really well. But please. Let us know ways we can improve it going forward because uh, I think this will be a really fun segment, as I said at the top. And let us know your picks. Who 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 would you uh, pick instead of some of our picks? Um, but yeah, so just tweet us if anything. I think this is the perfect time to close out the episode. I mean, again, you can tweet us uh, your picks or you could tweet us questions that you want us to uh, answer or topics that you want us to discuss on the podcast. You can uh, tweet me at at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, that was the episode and uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys. <laughs>